Welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Geeta Joshi and today I'm really excited to be talking to Jeremy Wolfe, who is the artist in residence at the Empire State Building. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, Geeta. How are you? I'm good. So cool to be talking to you. Uh, it's exciting. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about last week's launch at the Empire State Building. That looked amazing. I was following all of that on Instagram. How did it go? How was it for you? Oh, man. It, it, it honestly still hasn't really hit me that that even happened. <laughs> it's, it's almost surreal um, for everyone who doesn't know. Um, yeah, I was named resident artist of the Empire State Building, and I actually got to cut the ribbon to the new store launch, and uh, they, they just renovated their gift shop for the observatory. So they moved it from the 80th floor down to the second floor. Um, so anyone who goes up to the top of the Empire State Building and check out the observatory, they um, are then directed down to the gift shop, which I am now the resident artist of. <laughs> and that project is a whole blend of things because um, one of the things I saw was the artwork on display on the walls, which you seem to have like scores of people walking past all the time. But then there's other merchandise as well that you put your designs on. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so... Uh, right now, they have three original pieces um, that are hanging up at the end of a hallway. So everyone who walks in has to walk directly past these three original pieces. Uh, and then they're going to be putting the uh, image on all sorts of products like tote bags, uh, notepads, magnets, uh, mugs, socks. I mean, you name it, we're, we're really exploring uh, getting this image of uh, the Empire State Building I did out there and into... Uh, tourists and people who are visiting New York City's hands. So it's a whole new venture even for, for that client, isn't it? For the Empire State Building, having an artist in residence. How did that come about? Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is the first time they're doing something like this. Uh, they're basically, they're making a, a, a brand for, um, they're calling it Empire on Fifth. So they want it to be more upscale, um, like Fifth Avenue stores and Fifth, a Fifth Avenue feel like this New York expensive feel to it and they want to bring in name brands so they brought in vineyard vines and puma and swarcy crystal and um you know some disney products and some just some really great oh, they have a really cool zippo lighter uh, basically just some name brand stuff that they've never done before and then they included myself so j wolf studios is now one of the, the major name brands that they're basing the store around yeah I, i'm i'm definitely <laughs> it's just like crazy to be in that in that same ballpark as somebody's you know upscale brands and and uh you know just exciting that i could be on the same same level almost do you feel like it's changing the direction of your work in any way yeah definitely definitely so i i do consider myself a contemporary artist i mean that's first and foremost what my 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 goal was when i first started becoming an artist was to be in the contemporary art world but now i'm learning so much more about the commercial art world and how, you know, I could do one piece and basically live a good life off of it by licensing it to the right people. So there's just so many aspects of art that, you know, I'm still learning about and growing and taking it from one part of my career to the next. And yeah, I mean, this is definitely more of a commercial side of art than, than the contemporary. So when did, when did you go full time with your artwork? It was September 2014, actually, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, I had just recently 
uh, decided that I wanted to not be in this corporate America world where I was jumping from job to job in New York City, you know, any job that would be willing to pay me $10,000 a year more or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take that one mainly because I just wasn't happy at any of them. And it was pretty much the same thing at a different, a different job. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, and I just hated that lifestyle. I, I thought that I was being held back from using all of the tools, all my creativity. Uh, it was basically just kind of in a, in a, in a box and, and I was just told, doing what I was told and it just wasn't a lifestyle for me. So I, I thought about it, thought long and hard about skills that I had and skills that I've, I've learned with through the corporate America um, and, and college and, and, and whatnot. And I knew art was the way to, was the, was the thing I wanted to pursue. I mean, I knew I was good at painting. I was good at, you know, being creative. Yeah. So I chose art and used all these skills that I developed along the, the you know, seven or eight years of being a professional beforehand. I used it towards art. And were you, did you start off like part-time? Were you doing like producing artwork uh, as a, a leisure activity, for example, or you know, were you doing sort of side projects for friends or anything like that? Or did you just go all in from the beginning? Yeah, I, I just went all in, to be honest with you. I wasn't really doing any art at all uh, beforehand. I just knew I liked it. So in high school, I was just a good painter. I liked doing it. I have a cool little story from when I was in high school I could get into. But before that, I'll just say I, I liked doing it. And then I minored in it in college um, with the idea of knowing that I just enjoyed it. So I figured like I might as well just get some college credits doing something I like um, for, you know, just for the hell of it. And thank God that I did because I learned how to professionally paint and create colors and, uh, and just everything you would need to be a professional painter. I learned in college, uh, plus some art history and you know, everything else that you really just need to know in order to become an artist. And it was just always in my back pocket. I used to just call it my ace in the hole. Like if I ever need to do something, let's try art. And then uh, the opportunity arose that I was able to do it. And I haven't looked back since. That's fantastic. I could tell you the high school story also. It's, it's pretty brief. Um, basically, I did this painting. It was, a, it was a hockey player. And I worked on it. It wasn't that difficult. I know the teacher helped me a little bit. But he was, it was basically like a class of like degenerates that didn't care about art at all. It was like, oh, let me just take art so I can get an easy A, Mr. O'Brien. He doesn't care. And then there were like five or six people who actually did care about art. And I was one of them. So during class, like you'd have like 15 kids who just didn't care and they were joking off. And then the five kids who were learning from the teacher. And I did this one painting and I remember I brought it home and my dad, my dad looks at me and he goes like, who did that painting? And I was like, I did. And he goes, no, you didn't. I go, yeah, 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 I painted that. And he's like, he's like, no, you really didn't. I was like, dad, I really did paint this painting. And he just never believed me. And, and to this day, he actually still has this painting. Um, and it just like she goes to show you that like art was like never really something that I like wanted to do. I never talked about it. I never like told my parents like, Hey, I want to be an artist. It was kind of just something I knew I could do and it was fun. And then sure enough, like uh, now I, this is what I do full time and, and it's excelling at it too. It's not even just like, you know, it's something in your career. Like I legitimately think I'm going to be world famous and you know, it's going to be huge. <laughs> well, you did make it to Art Basel as well. How did that come around? Yeah, so I've been to Art Basel four times now. This is the last year was my fourth year. And I've just made it a goal for myself to become bigger 
uh, every year I go there or just do something bigger every year. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, Art Basel is crazy. I mean, it keeps just growing and growing into something different each year uh, as far as like, you know, you got the contemporary blue chip art at the actual Art Basel Fair. And now all of a sudden you have these like random pop-up, t- pop-up tents that are like throwing concerts and having all these like fireworks and trucks and everything. I mean, it's crazy. So Art Basel is definitely changing and I've seen it change firsthand in only four years. So I can't imagine what people think it's changed from like eight or 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> and is that Art Basel you were in Switzerland or at um, Miami? It's in Miami. I've never been to the one out of out of out of the country. I haven't been to any art fairs out of the country yet. So that that's that's on my to do list to travel the world a little bit more coming up soon. Well, that's about getting with the right galleries, isn't it? The ones that are doing the international fairs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, a lot of them are are. There's so many fairs in general now. Um, so you have basically these big conglomerates that are that run each one of their set of fairs. So yeah, when all these conglomerates all come together for one big fair, that that would be Art Basel. But when they do separate ones, like then there's one in LA, one's in San Diego, one's in Vegas, one's in Dallas. I mean, I'm only talking about the American ones. But yeah, when you get to international, I mean, yeah, there's just so many of them now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're everywhere. I mean, just fairs are popping up all the time now. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, in the UK or certainly across Europe, but I think it's true of the US as well. There's a lot of artist fairs happening as well, where artists are selling directly. They're the people taking the booth to sell directly to um, the buyers and collectors. Have you done any artist fairs? Yeah, so I did one last year. I was at... Um, I was at Spectrum, which is next to Red Dot at at Art Art Basel. And it it was such a great experience in terms of a learning experience as far as uh, just seeing, you know, the sheer volume of people coming in to check out the art and enjoy it. Um, I I learned a lot as far as just the sheer amount of people, like I said. It's a bit saturated, I thought, you know, with all these art fairs. You have hundreds of thousands of pieces of art that all just collide into one uh, five mile radius. And I mean, I think it's become something that people just go to enjoy. Like it's um, Disney, but meanwhile, there, there are hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars being traded within this, within this, you know, Art Basel period. So it's, it's a major deal. And I just think that you can, you can really take what you want from it. If you want to go there and buy art, the opportunities there, if you want to go there and enjoy art and just see the new art, opportunities there if you want to just go and connect with different galleries or different people that that's also a great opportunity i mean there's nothing bad about art art fairs and the growing art market is just proof of it so i saw on one of the videos that you did with rachel spencer that you started off actually selling work for a few hundred dollars but of course now your work selling for thousands how did you start making that that change well i think i think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that you're building a resume as an artist, just like you would with any other job. I don't think if you're right out of college, you're not going to be giving a, a CEO, you know, $200,000 a year job. You have to earn that $200,000 a year job. You have to go up through the rink. So I think any artist has to start out. If you're going to sell your work, you have to start out selling your work for what people are willing to pay for it. Most of the time, people don't want to pay a lot of money for artwork. Let's be real. So, I mean, I was selling dog portraits or anything people wanted to pay me. I was selling them for like $200, $250. It was just a start. I was like, you know what? 
you got to start somewhere. And once you sell something for $250, you don't sell anything, anything less for $250. That's your, that's your point. So the next painting, you know what? I was like, you know, next one's going to be $400. So I sold a painting for $400. And then the next one was $600. And you start building and building and building. But it all comes down to what I, what I just said is if people aren't going to pay, you know, what they, they they're going to pay what they, they think it's worth ultimately. And if you're not showing that you're improving or showing consistency and showing um, things that you could build on your resume that make it worth or your artist statement or your CV or whatever that, you know, whatever you want to call it as an artist, if you're not improving on that every year and staying consistent, then people aren't going to want to pay thousands of dollars for your artwork. That's just how it is. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting point. Um, you know, I've been talking about this as well in my Facebook group around, you know, the, the, the artists start showing that commitment, isn't it, as well, you know, to your practice. Um, art prices don't go down. You know, typically we don't, certainly on the primary market, you should be, you know, your prices do need to be going up each time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that does have something to do with consistency and just your work ethic and determination of being an artist. I think the art market's fickle in general. So if, if, you're, if you're not riding with momentum and if you're not consistently raising the bar for yourself, then why it doesn't make sense for your prices to raise like rise either? I mean, for instance, some of my accomplishments I think raise the prices of my work. I mean, you know, once I did a feature with Tommy Hilfiger, my prices go up. Once I get a feature in Forbes magazine, my prices go up. You know, once I'm on you know your podcast, the prices go up. <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's it's just certain things that. Once you have a solo show in New York City, your prices can go up. I mean, it's just resume builders over and over and over again. I agree. Um, and if you're not achieving these goals and these, these resume builders, then your prices will, will dictate that. And people won't pay for these, these high prices if, if you're not earning these high prices. No, I totally agree. I, th I think there's definitely, you know, this is one of the things that the artist has to actually take a lot of responsibility for themselves. It's like finding, you know, because it doesn't even work in with galleries. A gallery isn't going to do all of that for you all the time. You know, that's just one gallery. You know, they might take your work to the fairs and they might give you the solo show, but they might not be the people that reach out to the corporate to do the collaboration and things like that, you know, and other media attention as well. How did you get your feature in Forbes? Um, so it's actually a cool story. I was doing a Forbes piece, um, and I kind of just like put it out there and I, and I wrote on the bottom, like Q and a with renowned artist Jay Wolf. And this was before, like, I was even like relatively on the map of anything. I think this was one of my first big pieces. Um, I would just kept hashtagging Forbes and tagging certain Forbes thing. And all of a sudden someone who wrote for Forbes ended up reaching out to me and was like, I'm a contributor. Like I could show people this in the office. And I was like, that'd be great. Yeah. Show it around. And then he goes a week later, he was like, you know what? Let me uh, do one better. I could actually just do a little write up for you on it. And sure enough, I got, I got a Q and a, uh, with a Forbes contributor, Dan, Dan Reich actually. So now he's, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's simple as that. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of some luck, but then again, you create your own luck. I, I'm a big believer in that. And a nice bit of hustle in there as well. Yeah, 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 I just kind of like put it out there and it happened. So, and that happens a lot. It's a, uh, you put things out in the, in the air and, and things happen for you. You just got to just let people see it and it happens. <laughs> Let's talk about Instagram because you've become quite big on Instagram now. And Instagram was one of the platforms you were using well before you had a website. Yeah, I still think 
Instagram takes more precedent over my website. I barely even use my website. I update it like once a year and I, I probably should update it more, especially now. But yeah, Instagram basically is my website. It's my business card. It's, it's everything. And then if you're not really on Instagram, then chances are then you're probably not going to want to work with me because I, that's pretty much where all my business is. So if you heard of me, you probably found me on Instagram. It's, I mean, it's just, I've been doing my business on there for almost five years now. So I, I truly want to thank that platform for my success because without it, I don't know what I'd be doing. How much time do you spend on uh, Insta on a, in a day then? Uh, when I first started, it was a lot more than it is now. Uh, I used to be on Instagram like six hours a day, even when I was painting. I'm not even kidding. Like, I would like hundreds and thousands of pictures on a nightly basis just so I could get my, my name out there by people I wanted to see. Um, and uh, since then, uh, now I spend like two, I still spend like two hours a day, you know, just shuffling pictures and getting inspiration and, you know, studying artists and seeing how they're making it and, and, you know, tricks of the trade and just people they're talking to and just networking and getting in people's eyes. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, an unbelievable tool that's right at everyone's fingertips. And I always try to tell people that, you know, you can do anything you want now because of like, because of things like Instagram. And I always try to inspire people to do, do things like what I'm doing. Do you use any other social media platforms or is it only Instagram for you? I use my Facebook, but it's just connected to my Instagram. So it's just getting fed whatever I post on my Instagram. It's not really like anything serious. It's more so like, so friends and family could keep up. Like I don't advertise on it or anything. So yeah, it's mainly just Instagram at this point. Yeah, um, being being super active and consistent. I think I think Instagram has a lot to do with just being consistent as far as you know what images you're putting out there, what message you're trying to convey, and um, if you get into a rhythm with Instagram, I think the algorithms start kicking in with you. And I know everyone has like issues with the, the Facebook and Instagram algorithm, and it's just a whole other topic in itself. But yeah, I just think you just got to keep at it because there's just so much opportunity out there. And, and I think it's everyone. also a really easy way to connect with people. Like when I reached out to you, you know, you're very, very responsive very quickly. And I think that is one thing that social media has done and particularly Instagram for me. It's just a really easy way to start conversations with people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the most famous people in the world are pretty pretty receptive on, on, on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. I mean, like the... I, I talk to famous people all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy like how easily we could just talk to whoever we want and, uh, and just be interactive. And I like when people use the social media for good rather than like, they're just trolls all over the place too. Like I've dealt with many trolls who are just mean for no reason or like, you know, just, uh, or like, I don't know. Yeah. There's just like a lot of hate and mean things out there. And I, I just want to use it for inspiration and, and love and, and, and motivation, you know. But one thing we haven't talked about was um, your actual work itself. Yeah, so uh, I like to say my work's like a contemporary pop, street art feel. Uh, I, I use like a traditional painting background for portraits and landscapes and um, even, even illustrations like cartoons. And then I'm, I'm trying to add a street art uh, spray paint vibe um, that's really I think what's really changing the art scene right now in general is just street art and uh, I'm really incorporating it into gallery art so I'm, I'm trying to fuse these two styles together 
um, or multiple styles where it's like cartoons, portraiture, landscape, and street art into one. And I like using bright colors and splatters and uh, stencils that are more like household items. So yeah, I've kind of made this one pattern into my own. Like I've tried to incorporate into as much of my art as possible. There's a really interesting painting that I was looking at. Um, I think, I don't know if it was on Insta or if it was on your website with the uh, Sopranos meeting the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm actually doing a whole entire Simpsons series, um, actually inspired by one of my favorite artists, Cause, who did a Simpsons series way back when, which sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars at auction. Uh, so I did my own little Simpsons series. Um, and basically it's a mashup series where I'm taking pop culture and mashing it up with the Simpsons and pretty much, I mean, the Simpsons have been around for 30 years. So you could take any reference to pop culture and correlate it with the Simpsons quite easily. So I've uh, made picked out about 20 or so characters that I'm mashing up with the Simpsons. I've done about nine of them already. And then uh, the future plan would be to take that series to, you know, Comic-Con or something like that and just have a whole launch of my Simpsons mashup series. And yeah, that's, that's definitely in the works and slowly but surely, but that's one of my favorite pieces of, I've ever done that, that to Tony Soprano on yeah. Tony and fat Tony. So what have you got coming up for the rest of the year? Obviously we're only in January. You've got this mm -hmm. residency. What else have you got planned? So the residency is kind of uh, taken most of my time for the most part. I'm, I'm working with so many different people and creating great products that I could sell at the Empire State Building. I have a cool little collab that I'm going to be doing um, some lapel pins. I'm going to be making socks. Uh, I'm going to be working with uh, one woman who we're going to try and set up some major collaborations with a couple major brands, do some cool clothing. I uh, can't disclose any, any of the brands yet, but hopefully something uh, gets going with that. And then, um, yeah, and then the Simpsons series, obviously continuing with that, like we just mentioned, and uh, just creating. Um, I'm going to be working with a couple galleries internationally, uh, one of them specifically in Israel. So I have an Israel pop series coming up with um, some Israeli icons and things, uh, you know, like Tel Aviv and whatnot. So that's going to be a cool series I got to do. Yeah, just a, a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's just never ending. It's just I have so many ideas and so many paintings I want to do and not enough hands to do them. <laughs> do you have any studio assistants or is that something that you're looking to get in next? I, I am all alone right now. I, I have my manager, I'm my sales manager, I'm my, I mean, I, I work with a couple galleries here and there and, and people that, you know, help me with my printing and whatnot. But as far as handling my business now, I'm, I'm myself, I am painting all myself, I'm doing all my Instagram posts, I'm doing all of that. And I do foresee it changing. <laughs> I mean, it has to. It's it, it, for the better. For the better. I'm just a control freak and, freak and I like to uh, take care of my own business. But I do foresee it um, in the future, um, you know, having a, a manager and, and the whole nine yards. So one day, one day. Amazing. Thanks so much for your time. Where can people find you online? So my website is just jwolfstudios.com. Uh, but my Instagram is at jwolfstudios, and it's J-W-O-L-F-F-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. -F -F so just the two Fs there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at jwolfstudios is pretty much it. That's where you can find me. I will add all of that in the show notes. Thank you, Jeremy, Fantastic. so much for your time this evening. Thank you. This was great. I'm, I'm super happy to be on.